Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Oi. The boys and girls on Footy Prime on occasion are known to use vulgarities and frankly appalling language. And sometimes the tales can get quite adult in nature. So keep the volume down if there are kiddies around. And thank you for listening. Oh, let's go! Booty, booty, it's time to get this party started. Booty, booty, it's time to get this party started. You know that we are the number one show. So grab your fucking mitts and now it's time to go. Cause it's the booty, booty, it's time to get this party started. It's the booty, booty. It was a great comparison Jimmy brought up about five minutes ago before we started recording. <laughs> We're talking about Canadian wine and how, yeah. you know, I, I really want to embrace and enjoy Canadian wine and buy Canadian wine. I really want to. I just haven't found good Canadian wine just yet. Right? Yeah. And Jimmy made a great comparison. Jimmy, would you care to share? Well, I said Ontario wine, don't get me wrong, there is some good wines, but it just doesn't have that that sexiness, does it? That sex appeal. Kind of like our Canadian coaches. <laughs> There's some good coaches, but they just don't have that. <laughs> that's that's probably bang on because that's, there probably is that, good. There are like good that. Canadian coaches out there. And like you said, there's probably good Canadian wine out there, Ontario wine specifically, right? Yeah. But it's a question of like, how do you, how do you polish the brand of Canadian wine and Canadian coaches? Yeah. Just how do you do that? Have that sexiness, does it? Does it take one? one great Ontario wine that wins all the awards to open the door to the market. I think that's the way it works. Charms. Who's the Australian coach? You should find those good wines. Who's the Australian coach right now? Who's Ange coaching Ange in the Prem? Yes. Yeah. 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 Ange. Ange. He's yeah. great. So I remember when he got his position, they were hoping that, Hey, this opens up not just for Australia, but opens up kind of the the options for other nations coaches to have opportunities on the on the highest level. Yeah, but there's great Aussie wine though already. Yeah, there, there is some really good Aussie <laughs> that's, wine. That's really true. <laughs> <laughs> it's my go-to some of those wines. Yeah, there's good, there's good French wine, good yeah. Spanish wine. 
Yeah. I like Italian a good Spanish wine. wine. Rioja. Yeah. I've been into the Rioja right lately, and it's fantastic. I'm so maybe it. so if, if say say Bobby Smyrniotis, um wins another championship this year, and I, I know for a fact that he was, I believe, second to John Herbman for the TFC job. It went down to the wire there. But say say Bobby gets an opportunity in MLS at some point and starts winning. Does that mean then that Ontario wine will improve and get more chance? You'd probably think so, wouldn't you? <laughs> you would think so. You'd think yeah. so. There is a really nice wine that's out now, Honest Lot. I don't know if you guys have tried that wine. I haven't, but I will. Honest Lot. Honest Lot. <clears throat> okay. No no sugar. Mm. Ooh, it's, they... it's good. Really? <laughs> oh, oh, there we have it. So, so we're giving a shout out to Honest Lot. Is it so organic? Be honest, Jimmy. You 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 know your wine. You like wine. Be completely honest. I really really like it. I really like it. It's just for the smooth. Record, it's smooth and it's smooth, uh, and, smooth and full body. Oh, just like you. Sponsorships <laughs> and no sugar. Well, okay. Well, I'll I'll try it. So so the hangover isn't too bad. No, it's good. Oh. Yeah. It's good with a nice. I'm meat. always a little bit. I'm kind of scared off when I see wines and also beers with you know low or zero sugar because sugar is pretty fucking great. Isn't it? Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> it, it makes most hangovers. things taste better. <laughs> Speaking of hangovers, I went down to Dog and Bear with uh, my buddy Danish Anwar, who's a stand-up comedian, who I didn't realize was such a big Bayern fan that he has the Bayern Munich uh, logo tattooed on his arm. Well, let's get him on the pod. I, I, I'm going coming? to. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's great. He's going to come on in the next couple of weeks. Um, so he was, I mean, it was a, I had three pints. We went outside at halftime and smoked something uh, fun. And then after I walked home, so I, I walked my, tw- I walked 12,000 steps yesterday, Jimmy. You'd be very happy. I walked That's down very good. Walked good back. for you. But then at around six o'clock, I got really hungry <laughs> and I ate two sandwiches, a bowl of cereal and the rest of the cookies, those Leclerc cookies, the chocolate covered ones. So your walk and went out the window. The walk went out the window. And then I, I thought it was well, sugar. It's the sugar. Sugar's really good, eh? Yeah. It's, yeah. And then you got in bed and were absolutely disgusted with yourself. Well, I, I have to tell you, three Guinness later, three Guinness <laughs> makes my belly rumble. If that is that makes sense, it does. It does. So, hey, look who's showing up. Peekaboo. Craig birthday. Forrest in the house. Birthday boy. I think a song is in order. Birthday day day to you. Oh, that was yesterday. Sorry. Doesn't matter. Oh. We were supposed to do a podcast yesterday. That's what we were keeping it for. Happy oh. birthday, pal. Thanks. Happy birthday. It's Mike's birthday today, too. Happy uh, my birthday was yesterday. So it's Craig's birthday. Oh yeah. Hey, last time well, the last, wasn't the last time, but we've we've regaled the story before on this show that uh, the day after Craig's birthday is usually the fun day, just to see the remnants of what we used to be. Craig Forrest drag himself into work, make it to halftime, and then have to leave, have to excuse himself because he's such a wreck. <laughs> ah, the big fifty, Craig. We've discussed that before, but that was a beaut. But yeah. Happy birthday, mate. You do. I mean, we, we joke around, but you are in your mid-50s. You don't look it. You really don't. You might feel it, but you don't look it. You look really good. I don't know what your secret Thanks, is, bro. but you're, it's probably no booze, right? It's probably a big part of it. 
It's a face cream as well, isn't it? Do you use face cream? Illuminati face cream. <laughs> no face cream. He's on the island. He uses whale sperm now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, happy very birthday. Rich, Welcome it's very rich this time of year. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, by the way, BC wine's pretty damn good, actually. It's better than Ontario wine, I think. Mm. In my experience, there's some good BC mm. wine. Anyway, uh, away from the, the, the wine discussion, back to the football here. Um, there was tons of football yesterday, this week so far, right? Obviously, Champions League, um, CPL, Jimmy had the call on the Vancouver Valor game, a late goal. There's so many late goals, it seems, the last couple of weeks. Don't you find that? MLS, late goals. Just asked, just asked Montreal. He dropped points against Cincinnati late. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's been, if you're a football fan, when you probably are if you're listening to this, or at least you were, <laughs> until we jumped it out of you. <laughs> Um, it's been a pretty great week to watch football. Um, let's start, should we start with the Messi TFC thing? Shall we? There was so a so Liam Messi, Messi TFC. He doesn't last yeah. the first half. He goes off with what they call muscle fatigue. What is that? He's just tired? No, old. Wait. Old? Is that what it is? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. All these poncy yeah. names and things, oh, it's muscle fatigue. Like, what is it? Just say what it is. He's just old. He didn't look He didn't look up for it, did he, really? Craig, I mean, he had the moments, of course, and this is kind of what Messi does now. He wanders around aimlessly, and then, oh, yeah, actually, it's not aimlessly. He knows what he's doing, and he has his moments of brilliance, which he saw a couple of times. But he didn't seem yeah. really switched on, did he? No, it seemed like the whole everybody on the pitch was just... Uh having a little pickup game and we're going to just pass it around here and walk around. And he set the tone as far as pace goes. It's like, Oh, Messi's going to walk. I think we'll all walk. How about we, how about we all walk and pass it around? It was, it was the worst game I've ever, one of the worst games I've ever seen in my life. And I was looking forward to it. I was really looking forward to seeing Messi play and seeing what TFC could do against him. Cause apparently they were buzzing in training. And well, they weren't buzzing on the pitch. They were not. It was awful. Yeah. I mean, George Fuhrer had a couple of nice moments in that first half. First half was okay from a quality standpoint. Yeah, it was a shit game, though. Let's kid, not kid ourselves. Jeez, it was poor. Never. Yeah, I, I flipped over to the Blue Jay game for some baseball excitement. <laughs> That's how bad it was. That's how bad it was, Jimmy. I was like getting more excitement over balls and strikes. <laughs> Still, another another loss, four 0 Doesn't matter at this point, does it? Doesn't matter for Inter Miami, of course, who are climbing. Even without Messi, they're scoring goals. Mm-hmm. Um, that Robert Taylor's having some season, isn't he? Jesus, yeah. Off the bench, two goals yesterday. Yeah. Do you think any of the TFC players, I mean, this is the first time they played Miami and Messi. Do you, younger players in particular, I mean, Michael Bradley wouldn't, obviously. Some of the veterans wouldn't. But, I mean, Vista Vasquez knows Messi. Didn't last very long either. But young players, do you think they get, I, I don't know, starstruck's the wrong word. Do you think they're out there thinking, holy, holy shit, how, how did this happen? I'm on the same pitch as Lionel Messi right now. It must have an effect, right? Yeah. Oh, I would think so, yeah. A lot of I'm not worthy, which is true. <laughs> Mind <laughs> you, not many players are, in fairness, to Messi, right? <laughs> no. No, that's was, did you guys, were there, was there ever a player that you were on the pitch with and you thought, okay, I can't actually believe right now I'm on the same pitch as, as this guy? Was that ever a case for you? 
Yeah, a whole bunch of times. Bobeto, Romario, Klinsman, Shear, Nolderama. Okay, that's that's enough, Craig. <laughs> we get your point. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Jimmy? Yeah, same. I think one one guy that really said when we played Liverpool, and I was playing center midfield against Stevie Gerrard, I was like, "Wow, this guy's this guy's good, man. He's really good." That's amazing. Was that a young Stevie G or in his prime Stevie G? Uh, pretty much in his prime. Yeah. Yeah, he was so good. So how was that? Like, tell us how that – did he just dictate play? Was he vocal out there? Yeah, What, what was it about and that you realized, man, this guy's just something special? Vocal, his touch, his movement, how he just found the spaces and how the, the difficult things look so easy. Hmm. What about you, Sharps? I was going – Sharms, what about you? Every what podcast, inter- What guess, interview? Here. Hmm? What interview? Who did you meet where you were like, I can't fucking believe that I'm meeting and interviewing this guy? Boy George. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, that would have been a good one. Yeah, what about He's Boy George Michael. That would have been amazing. He's a little handsy. It's obviously Pele, right? That's Pele's the answer. Pele's, yeah. That's oh, the yeah. I don't, like we said, you don't generally get starstruck, but yeah, that's cool interviews. Pele was cool. Um, even like Beckham, right? You know, standing in the room of Beckham is kind of cool. It's like, wow, okay. Here he is coming out the shower. These little scrum forms, about five of us, and everyone <laughs> freezes, and I basically have a conversation with him because no one's talking. I didn't, <laughs> like, know, right. where you, I didn't know where you're going with a little scrum. <laughs> Comes out of the shower, little scrum. Hey, there's a new... Um, Charms, you're, you're a little... You're a willy watcher, aren't you? <laughs> Um, well, you know, you have to have a peek, don't you? You come on, you have to have a peek. Yeah, you just see what everybody's working with. That's why I was always. Yeah, I used to race in the shower. Let's go, come on, get him out. Why does he have so much confidence? Yeah, when, when you're surrounded by like famous footballers in a locker room, right? Guys that you've watched your whole life, your whole career, and you realize this this guy over there, everyone here is better than me in most most components. They're better than me, and they're better looking. They're physically better. They're better footballers. They're just better than me in every way. You do want to see a small cock, don't you? You, you, you really do. <laughs> just, just give us that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I can see this guy Deep play down, in the really you know, next few years. So you know what? Yep, he's great at everything. But you know what? He ain't packing. <laughs> and my cock's bigger. Yeah. <laughs> Now, yeah, of course, I haven't, well, apparently I haven't Beckham discovered goes, that Beckham's yet. Beckham's okay in that department, too. <laughs> yeah. Sharps, goes into the, Sharps goes into the interview with a semi-chub just to make him feel <laughs> self better. Yeah, come on, don't you yeah, embarrass me today. Yeah. Don't you embarrass me today. <laughs> I'm trying come to get on. a full inch and a half here. <laughs> a little fluffing action before we interview anyone. Exactly. <laughs> You're rubbing up against the corner of the wall just to get a little bigger. <laughs> No, but it must have been weird though, Jimmy, right? I mean, when you came to North America and the journalists are in the locker room, so different to England. Yeah. I know Jermaine Defoe's mentioned it before, but it is a bit odd, right? I mean, were you ever self-conscious? <laughs> you weren't self-conscious, were you ever? No, you never. Know, coming out in the shower. I remember the first time at TFC, I came out and I have my shower getting dry and then the door opens up and all these journalists come in and I'm standing there buck naked. I just kept on drying myself. I didn't know what, what was going on. And that was the that became the norm, them just coming in. 
There's loads of them too, wasn't there? Lots. And you're yeah, just doing yeah, an interview sure. with oh, yeah. Fowler, half naked. Yep, mainstream media too. It wasn't just the sports media would be in there. No, be, I never, you know, I never saw that in my TV. life. Yeah, was, you actually liked strange. it though, Jimmy, didn't you? You kind of like that sort of. Well, I didn't mind it because you just standing there. Exhibitionist. You're standing there, buck naked, and then you're looking at the guy doing the interview, and you could tell they want to look down, but they just have to look in your eyes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and just, just slowly. And as as you're staring in their eyes, you just slowly wiggle in your hips, going, "Go on, I dare you to have a look." <laughs> yeah, but but Jimmy, that's when I would sneak a peek, though, right? When you uh, say you're being interviewed by another journalist, yeah, right. And I know that you guys are locked eyes to eyes. That was my opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> that was when the the Willy watching came out. Yeah, it's it? a little one. All right, there we go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> they were weird times i mean we discussed i think i mentioned before on the show i'm sure i have the whole defoe the first defoe press um locker room conversation right after his first game and he literally said to the media well are you looking at my willy he actually really? said that to everyone because <laughs> he couldn't believe it he's like he's getting toweled off right you know he's getting he's just standing there and we're all gathered around him and at that point usually is when you interview the the footballer right but he wasn't aware of this. So he's just there and he's just got this really like kind of awkward look in his face. He's getting really like, and he's getting taken forever, forever. Then he kind of like turns around and looks like, you, you're looking at my Willie. And I was, <laughs> um, I'm not sure about the other people, but he didn't realize. I don't think anyone had warned him about this. So then no, we didn't. Any, any, any new players that came in, especially from Europe, we never told them. <laughs> oh, okay. Give so me then the when they came in, they were like, what, what's happening? What's going on here? What's the difference between, do they, how are they interviewed in England and in Europe? What's the difference? Well, when you leave the, leave the dressing room or you go in the car park, they, most of them try to get you there. So they don't have access to your locker room at all? Like to the training room? No. Oh. No. No, the no, locker is very much seen it as as oh, the no. the private area. The what do you call it? The players' domain. That's that's yeah. private. It's important. Right. Players' lounge is important. Well, right? it, it is out. kind of the dressing room. It's kind of what it should be. I agree, but, but I would say that going back, eighties, early nineties, start of the Premier League, there was no press conferences, so you ended up with the parking lot press like Jimmy was talking about. Like, that happened all the time. The trouble is, nobody was around, and they could just basically say whatever they want. No, this player said this, you know. Well, how would you know? You're standing in a parking lot, and they're usually after some kind of mud. They didn't want to talk about football because they're mostly tabloids, Sun, Mirror, Express, these types of newspapers that are after scandals and things like that. I'll say this. I think that's a problem, though, because there's so such limited access to players over there is why the media try and dig and try and find stories about these people, right, outside the, the training ground. Whereas over here, there's such great access, and there was even more so back in year one of TFC. So you get to hang with the players in the locker room a little bit, one-on-ones, or in the training pitch post-match, and you get to know them a little bit, right? That, and it really helps. Like I got to know Jimmy a, a little bit, not too much, but Deitch, and Robbo got to know quite well, you know, and it just made it yeah. a little bit easier in that regard. So I, I don't know what the right way to do it is, um, but well, I, I, don't, I don't think locker rooms, I, I personally think they should something be. Something about uh, standing with, with men, something about standing with naked men that you, you kind of become friends or not. <clears throat> or not. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just all on the table then. Yeah. It, everything's on the table. Nothing to hide. 
Nothing to hide, no, exactly. They should make the yeah. journalists strip down too. And then it's like, here we go. <laughs> like, the journalists just coming in their towels? Yeah, but even playing field. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Seeing some of those journalists, maybe not. Oh, maybe that no. wouldn't be a good idea. Mm. Find some pack of cigarettes in the folds of their skin. <laughs> well even in my limited locker room at university they used to come in all the time especially when we went on that run for the vanier cup and they would be like this is the old time scribe right like smelling like cigarettes and booze drinking through the game you know they're coming they're more excited because now they get to travel with you or at least travel to follow you right to the next game Oh, we're going to Hal. I've got I've got to book my ticket to Halifax. They're drinking with the coaches, right? Like after the after the win. And I has that ever happened where the managers and the players are actually having a pint with the journalists that you guys saw? It used to be, right? Yeah. Way more, I think. Right? Mm-hmm. Craig, I mean in, in the Yeah, yeah. See the no older question. Days. Especially the local guys. The local guys that used to travel with you, some of them with their light, they would be traveling on the coach with you, um, the beat writers. You got pretty close to those guys. I remember the David Allard at Ipswich was one guy, always traveled with the team. So, yeah, you got to know them, become mm. friends with them. Yeah. yeah. Until they hey, wrote something. Did much media cover uh, college football when you played? Was it much media? Only, yeah, only the for the city. Like that's it wasn't really the national. It was you know you'd get Globe and Mail writing one story, but it was more like the three or four. There were three or four uh, newspapers in Montreal at the time, French and English, um, and they would the Gazette and the Journal de Montreal, and they would travel with you, um, not with you, but they'd know exactly. So we came home one time after winning um, the Atlantic Poll in Halifax, and we came home, and there were you know hundred people welcoming us and we were like what's going on here like we didn't know what was going on and it's because montreal hadn't had a real winner in a long time that was the other thing right like you know they they'll jump on the they'll jump on that bandwagon and be happy about it and without any worries about seeing being seen as bandwagon jumpers so it was great i mean they we played in, in front college, of college canadian college football yeah bandwagon? that's yeah. pathetic it's crazy eh? Like with the respect, what you really want as a bandwagon, <laughs> all the girls that show up. Yeah, yeah that didn't happen to laugh. Out of those hundred fans, the bandwagon. How many were girls? Wonger? No, very few. They were all parents. Parents. It was your parents. <laughs> yeah, lots of parents. Parents, friends. You know, knew these kids since they were playing in you know midget football and all that kind of stuff. So, mm. yeah. Jeez. Give me creepy uncles, longer. probably a few creepy uncles who want to be uh, who want to be journalists in the in the room. Yeah, yeah. Jim. I've got a pen and a pad and paper. <laughs> exactly. You, you were killing it, Wong. Or what are you talking about? Things happened. I was. I was. I did okay. <laughs> you must. Have, you must have got more action though when you were selling beer in the stands than when you I, did, I did. I did right. That too, because I give away beers. <laughs> 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 that's why you quit and became a beer salesman in the stands look you you could put a full two for they gave you a rack a wire rack like a tray and it had uh a neck uh you know like 
something to hold around your neck and you basically walked around with a two four so you drink one you give a few away someone to go keep the tip you're like this is awesome <laughs> this is fantastic. I, I love that. I Aren't love you that supposed story, to be bro. on the field? I, know, I love that story. People <laughs> recognize you and say, weren't you the starting safety last year? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Rags no to regrets. riches, riches to rags. <laughs> <laughs> hey, did you enjoy the Bayern Munich uh, game, Wonger? I, mean, I did. Sure it was. Did. But I, what, what the whole thing, I was just thinking, wow, United looked horrible. And. It was uh, coincidental because you and I were just talking about what we want to talk about on Monday's Footy Prime on One Soccer Show. And we were talking about how Ten Hag and United look in disarray. And my God, I walked in. It was whatever, three, three nil, two nil so quickly and so easily. That was it was like there was no it was almost like the TFC in the last 15 minutes where Miami's it, like, I don't know what Michael Bradley's doing out there right now. I know I'm mixing, mixing matches, but they seem to have the same care. Like it didn't look like there was a lot of passion out there for either United or TFC. I think there's certainly an issue with leadership right now at United. Mm. I mean, there's, there's lots of issues there. They're at Burnley this weekend. I really hope they lose it because I want to get into this on Monday's show. I hope it continues and it's a full-blown crisis by then. If they beat Burnley 4 nothing, it's going to make it a bit more difficult to tear apart United on, on one soccer. So for the good of the program, let's hope they get smashed by Burnley. Um, but, I mean, it all kind of it began with Anana's mistake, right? In the first half, United started off okay, I suppose. Bayern weren't at their best, Craig, but that Anana howler, and even his, his reaction, I mean, it, it seemed like he was just a, a broken man at that point. He took it personally. Yeah, he did. He is a broken man at the moment. I've never seen quite a start to a, a career like that, especially after the the big talk about needing to bring somebody in there with their ability at the with the ball at their feet and get rid of De Gea, who did, certainly wasn't the problem, in my opinion. And uh, this guy's having all sorts of trouble. So just basic shots. I mean that that first one he let in was it's. It's really quite basic. I don't think I've seen a mistake from a CPL goalkeeper like that this year, to be honest. Do you think if he stayed on his feet, he can just control it? Yeah. <laughs> he could. I tell you what, if you said save, just save the ball, but you can't use your hands, I bet he would have saved it. Yeah. But, you know, Zach, we, we talked yesterday about it, and you made a great point where you said, you know, now he's at a monster club and just under the microscope and everything that he do that he does is getting critiqued. And it just seems like he's not able to handle it at the moment. But he comes from... Yeah, I mean, the, the, the size and the magnitude of that club and the pressures are uh, incredible. And when he started off poorly and he saw... And even I'm, I'm sure he's looking at social media. I, I would hope he isn't because, oh my God... That's hard for any human being to deal with. Some good banter on t- social media. just <laughs> some funny stuff, but all at the cost of uh, Onana, which is unfortunate. Hopefully you can turn it around, but uh, there will come a point when they're going to have to pull him just for his own good. Is, is there a point, Craig, as a goalkeeper, when you have a howler, I mean, do you know the minute that ball struck that something's wrong, something's up here, like you're tight or something? Or is it just that 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 split second 
before it actually gets to you. How does it feel? Well, I think for him is that he's worried about everything coming his way at the moment. So as the ball is approaching, he's not even, you shouldn't, it should be second nature. You shouldn't even be thinking about it. You're in the position of shot. I'm going to save it. This is what you do all the time in training. You do it a million, million times. You don't even think about it, but he's thinking about it. He's thinking about mistakes and doing the right thing or the wrong thing as the ball is approaching. I know he is. It's already in his mind before that ball even got to him that he's not seeing it and he's not confident that he's going to stop it or even hold on to it, you know. So in his mind, does he, as the player's coming across and he's moving a little bit with it, is he thinking, please don't let him shoot. Please don't let him shoot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A little bit. For sure. <laughs> were you one, Craig, when you played, were you one to, to in the pre-match, to visualize situations? Were you kind of trying to manifest things? Was that how you operated or were you too busy having a smoke in the locker room? <laughs> well, that was my, my, my moment to myself, isolated in the bathroom, by the vent, <laughs> or the window. <laughs> that was how you prepared. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I mean, like nowadays you see goalkeepers preparing for games and they're doing all these visualization exercises, right? And these, these reaction exercises. Was that a thing when you played? Yeah, I did some of that. Yeah, yeah. Dating back to like the even late 80s, Ipswich were uh, already into that sort of thing. Bobby Robson was somebody who got that going. Bobby Ferguson got that going as well. Fucking lads, get on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you what I'm going to do. <laughs> Jimmy, would you, uh, would you visualize before matches? How did you prepare? Yeah, you do. You, you think about it an awful lot because, you know, especially the night before, in the mornings when you got a little bit of time to yourself and you know most of the times you you know who you're playing against you know you you kind of think about their movements their runs what their habits are that you're playing against you know so you're constantly always Isn't thinking it? about it. don't get caught out and, and you might have played them all already away and you know maybe you got caught out a couple of times just by simple movements or midfielder gets a ball he opens up he wants to spray it over your head so you're thinking okay as soon as that action happens, I've got to tuck in, don't get caught or split between the two, myself and the center back. And you're constantly thinking about. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Who you're playing against and what, what their movements are and how they 
how they play. And then obviously on the flip side, it's okay. Read in the play. If it's on the right and they start drifting to the middle, I've got a bomb on. And so you're, you're always thinking about what you worked on in training, the tactics, set plays, set plays was, was, was huge for me as well, because I, I would be always thinking, don't let your man score. Don't let your man score. Cause it, it's, it really is horrible when you're, when you're man to man marking and your guy gets, gets away from you and he scores. It's horrible. It's horrible. Terrible feeling. Because you know what's coming. You know you're going to get absolutely hammered. Mm-hmm. You do find uh, that, certainly with myself, I, it, it consumed me for days before games and night before games. And I thought that the two or three hours before the game actually started were the worst. You're just like, man, you just want to get this thing going. Let's get it going because it's just eating me up. Yeah. I was always big as well where – to get into the game, I always wanted my my first my first touch and first pass to be just simple, just simple. Just get into it. Always, as soon as it came to me, play simple, get it back. Okay, play again, and then as the game started going, okay, now start spraying it. Now start pinging, pinging those balls, and that was big for me. That was when you give me a nice hospital ball to start with. Yeah. <laughs> just drive it, drive it back. There you go, Deal with this. That's interesting, though, isn't it? I mean, I, I get it. That that get the simple stuff out of the way. Just get that confidence, the feel of the game. I remember watching uh, Dero play at TFC. Right, great player. But if Dero tried a run early in the game, like in the first couple of minutes, and blew it, you'd be like, oh, Christ, this kind of sets up for not a great game from Dero. It's a weird thing. Um, didn't often happen, of course, but you could see it. Um, but so, so you play, say you play on the Saturday and you finish the match. Uh, at what point were you then, Craig, switching on to the next game and you're focusing on that? Because I'm surprised when you say, I mean, I, Wong, you might find this interesting. Craig's telling us how it was to eat him up because I haven't heard that from you before. You come across as this very cool, calm, chill dude, right? But you're kind of saying that you weren't before matches. No, I wasn't wasn't calm at all. I think inside, I I was quite calm, but or sorry, on the on the surface, I was quite calm, but underneath it, I was uh, yeah, turning around and yeah, like a bad night's sleep for a few hours before the game. Did you ever have one of those? Remember Patrick Waugh? And I know I think we've used this before, but remember he had that last game in Montreal. Uh, I forget six goals on him, I think. And then he just got pulled, walked mm-hmm. over to the owner and said, this is my last game. Were you mm-hmm. ever in a position where you felt like I've got to, I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit this team. I hate these. Like, cause he, he like went right to the edge on that spectrum. Were you ever close to that? Yeah, I was actually. I mean, when I was on loan for Chelsea, I hadn't been cupped high uh, in the FA cup. And I was on loan, and they at that time they could have extended it through to the FA Cup final. So Rudhull said that, that I want you to come back after international duty, and you're probably in line to play the FA Cup final against Middlesbrough. And they went to Ipswich, and then Ipswich held them to ransom. They wanted more money. Um, I think it was something in the million dollar range for literally one game. And Chelsea said we're not going to be held to ransom, and we're not going to be giving Ipswich any more money. We think that that's out of line, and we wanted to keep you, but we're not paying that money. So at that point, I felt, Jesus Christ, I've been at Ipswich for 13 years. 
Not that I deserved to play the FA Cup final, but it was an opportunity that they could have let me have for all the service I gave to him. So all they had to do is let me play that final, and they didn't. And uh, that was pretty Jeez. much it. At that time. Yeah, Dude. I was like, you know what? That's it. Yeah, that's horrible. It's brutal. Mm-hmm. And that's your last yeah. it when you realize, okay, I've got to move on now from Ipswich. Yeah, and they couldn't. They couldn't understand when I played the next preseason that. I didn't, they didn't want me to play, or they wanted me to play preseason games, and I was out of contract back then before the Bosman ruling. They still had to pay your wages, of course, but they still own your rights. So they're, you know, they're looking for a buyer, looking for, you know, to get you out. But I didn't want to play the preseason games because I didn't want to get injured. I, it was just literally one of those. I don't want to get injured. I'm out of contract here. And they're like, oh, you know, that's what are you, what are you talking about? You're selfish. And I was all, I was like, well, a little bit, a little bit selfish. Yeah. Cause, I'm out of contract, you know? So anyway, there's at that point, I would, yeah, get me out of here. And then West Ham came in. It was worked out well. Yeah. In the end, it worked out well, but I, I, tell you, just... I think it's, it's, it's a bad place to be. Would that be your agent at that point dealing with Ipswich over that? Or was that you going to the manager on, and telling him, I, I, I'm not playing. I can't play. That was me at the time. Was yeah. It? Jimmy, what was the most awkward conversation you had with a with a manager? Yeah, but he or, was or vice versa. He was corrupt as fuck as well. <laughs> I, don't, uh, I don't know. I didn't really have too many <clears throat> uh, bad ones. Um, no, I'm most of the time I had I had good conversations with the managers, but I never never had. I mean, there was one incident when I was. I was driving into f- to the forest uh, train or uh, the car park on match day at the stadium, and I was coming in. They had the away team bus, and I tried to go around it, and there was a car that was parked there. And then I, I was like giving a little honk, like "Move, let me in." And then I pulled up, and he said something. I told him to go f himself, and then I get in to the uh, into the dress room. And uh, play the match. The next morning, I get a call from the gaffer. Calls me in. It's Paul Hart. And he said, uh, I understand you had an incident before the match. <clears throat> I was like, what do you mean? He goes, uh, told someone to go F themselves. And he said a few other things to them. I went, yeah. And he was like, this is so-and-so, one of the board members. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what? He goes, yeah, one of the board members. I went, you're joking. So, and he was a great, great manager. And this is what I loved about him. And he went, so you're going to apologize. I was like, oh, for God's sake. I said, seriously, that was one of the board members I said. And he goes, yeah. And one of the big, big board members. And I went, oh, Jesus. I was like, hard. I'm sorry. And he goes, so you're going to apologize. I went, all right. And he goes, and this is what you're going to say. And he pulls out a letter from his his drawer and he puts it on there. He goes, sign it. And he goes, Reed is going to go give it to him. So I, I go through it, sign it. He wrote it out perfect, everything for me. And, I, and it, you should see my apology. I'm so sorry. I'm disgusted with myself. I was nervous before the game. He had all written out. And I was like, what a great manager that is. Just have my back, right? Yeah, it's also bullshit, though. I mean, you're grown men. Could the board member not come up to you and said, hey, Jimmy, you know, hey, shake my hand. I know we had a bit of an altercation yesterday. A, a freaking written, what is this, high school? Well, mind you, it was. I was like 20. Still, I mean, I'm not blaming you. 
I just think it's a yeah. statement of perhaps football, right? Yeah. And, and a lot of these managers see themselves as a big teacher, and these are the students, their children, and you, you know, God forbid you actually take care of it yourself. And hey, go and go and chat to the guy over there. You know, he's upset with you. Jesus. Yeah. Well, it worked out well because he accepted the the apology letter. Did he write one back to you? <laughs> no, no. He said, "Well written, Jimmy." Yeah, who wrote, who wrote it? Why? He said, "Why? Why is your signature and the handwriting so different? Yeah. <laughs> one's in black pen, one's in red." Yeah. Uh, uh, God, um, Stephen Bywater at West Ham. Speaking of parking spots, memory is at Derby County, and he had had a little bit of an altercation with Nigel Clough, you know Brian Clough's son, manager at Derby, and uh, he was so pissed off at Nigel Clough that the next day he pulled in and he parked in Nigel Clough's the manager's parking spot just to piss him off. And he goes inside, and the other the lads are saying, "He's saying, yeah, I parked in his spot." When he pulls into the ground. He's going to be pissed off. They're like, yeah, he's going to be pissed off. Are you sure, Stevie? Like, are you sure what you're doing here? He's like, yeah, fuck. So anyway, Nigel Clough pulls into the uh, parking lot, and they're all looking out the small window of the dressing room. He's got his car keys. And Nigel Clough's like, who the fuck is this parked in my spot? So he can't park in his own parking spot, parks in another one. As he's walking by the car, Stevie's in the dressing room with his car keys. He hits the boot button, beep, and the trunk opens up and all these helium balloons come up and (laughs) (laughs) that's amazing this is also when we needed everyone needed a camera back then a camera phone right can you imagine though oh this like there's certain things like we're so lucky not to have camera phones back in the day especially Mm -hmm. i'm sure us um but at the same time it would have been brilliant to see these things because the things we got away with, it was spectacular. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In yeah. the good old days. Eh, In the good Christ? old days. Um, I got some some parlays. I wanted, this is a good segue into a next match, right? So I, did, I had a great parlay yesterday on TonyBet.ca. I got Napoli, Arsenal, Bayern Munich, and Real Madrid. Paid off. Now, the day before, here was my parlay, Okay. I had over two and a half goals in Young Boys Leipzig that came through. I had what, was the, what was the score it? for the Young Boys? I didn't see the, those highlights. Oh, I don't know the score. It was oh, a okay. draw, wasn't it? I forget now. <laughs> anyway, no, 3 1, maybe. Regardless, three, one, it was two. like two and a half. You wanted that. What? Was that Craig? You broke Craig's your internet. Craig's internet in Vancouver is following his internet in Toronto. Yeah. Oh, man. Hey, uh, I said, who cares? You yeah, won your yeah, exactly, bet. right? All right. So two and a half goals there. I had uh, Barcelona winning. So yes, I had PSG winning. Yep. I had Atletico Madrid winning against Lazio. And it's 1-0. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> 1-0 Atletico, 95th minute. And Lazio equalized through their goalkeeper. I couldn't friggin' believe it. That is a bad way to lose a bet. A bad oh. way. But I got to tell you, Craig, I mean, that was some finish by, was it Ivan Provadel, right? The goalkeeper for Lazio. The run mm-hmm. he made and that finish was absolutely beautiful. Yeah, it was perfect. You know, somebody said it's the best header they ever saw, but I don't know if they saw Anderson's header for Liverpool a couple of years ago. Remember? Oh, oh yeah. That's right. The, uh, for Liverpool. And 
his header was the best I've seen, ever seen in front of an empty stadium. Um, but there's been goals, and then there's goals, right? I mean, Asmir Begovic scored for Stoke, but it was a, a long kick bounce over the goalkeeper. That's kind of, yeah, okay, it counts. But to score a goal like that, and his run, like you say, was perfect. It was a broken down play. I think the corner came in, came back out. He stayed up, came out, and then it was an in-swinger. But his run was perfect. It was like he... Like he'd been there before. He knew exactly what he's doing. And the ball was just perfect. So his eyes would have just lit up. He's a big man. And his header was perfect. And it was, uh, yeah, it was awesome. He was just running around like a madman. It was, oh. A dream comes the best true. Part. I thought the best part was the uh, the celebration because he's like running around with this look in his face. He didn't know where he was going. He had no clue. Like he is not, when you visualize yeah. as a goalkeeper, you're not visualizing this, are you? And yeah, he's like just running around like his eyes like freaking saucepans. <laughs> it, it was amazing. But yeah, piss me off. That's a tough way to lose. Um, some other results just to, to well wait before you get away. there, Gregor. Did you ever did you ever run up the field and have a shot? I think you mentioned Dave Decola throughout. I don't remember Craig ever having that opportunity, but yeah, you said know. you did it against Mexico and someone else mm-hmm. in league play. I think right. Yeah, well, I went up a lot over the years, but the closest I ever got was against Mexico in World Cup qualifying, um, and the other one was at Spurs at White Hart Lane. Had a header cleared off the line, which was uh, which was fun. I remember the ball coming in. My eyes were lit up. I was like, "Oh, I got a shot! I got, I got a shot at this!" And I headed it. And the guy on the far post, um, I think Walker was the goalkeeper at the time for Spurs. It beat him, but they had the two guys on the line, and the guy headed it off the line. So, I would have loved to seen your celebration. What would it have been? Oh, running around giving the wanker sign to the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. suck up. Yeah, I think I would have gone body body surfing in the West Ham end. <laughs> to the Klinsman? Gloves yeah. off, shorts off. <laughs> oh, they'd be ripping my clothes off. I'd be like in the stands, body surfing. Ah! <laughs> hey, Jimmy, I imagine though, I mean, obviously, if your goalkeeper's up in the area late in the game, it's, it's not good. It means that you have to score a goal because you're not winning the game, obviously. But it's got to be a bit of fun though, too, right? When you when you got a corner late in a match and everyone's in the box and you look over and there's your mate with the gloves on and he's he's, yeah. he's hoping for the best. <laughs> well, this is what tends to happen. Normally, you'll have set plays right on your corners, and everybody's got their own patterns and movements that you've got to do. Well, when the keeper comes up, he just does whatever he wants. <laughs> He's bumping into people, stopping everybody's runs. <laughs> You're trying to get to the near post, and all of a sudden, this six foot five guy comes running across you, nudges you. All your patterns, everything go out the window when the keeper comes up because they just go wherever they want. <laughs> You'd be like yeah. that. You'd be standing there, go, okay, all right, do the eye, do the eye formation. All right, let's go. You're looking at the keeper, and they're like, fuck off, eye formation. I'm going wherever that ball goes. <laughs> I just realized I had a dream last night, I think, about Craig. And it, it was nothing nothing dirty. Locker room but, dream? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was comparing cuck size, <laughs> which you should never do with a man who's six foot five. Um, but no, it was, it was some, <laughs> some kind of charity match. And Jerry was there, Craig. And I think I was playing goal or wanted to play goal and you brought a box of your shirts and I was going through the shirts trying to find a shirt to wear, but there were no gloves. And I remember 
eventually I put on a wear of like winter gloves. But then I think the game started and you were in goal. I never got on the pitch. It's a weird one. It just came to me now. Why you're in my dreams, I don't know. Anyway, that was kind of a pointless story. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, anything else you want to talk about for the Champions League this week? Um, let's see. PSG win and Bappe scored again. Enrique said he's the best player in the world, which he probably is. Uh, Newcastle tied Milan. Nil-nil, although Milan was smashing them 22-6 to in shots. Man City, they took care of Red Star. 16-2 shots on goal in City's favor there. Um, Obviously, a second-half performance. Haaland could have scored another freaking five goals, didn't score one. He he seems really snake-bitten right now, doesn't he? The last couple of games. He's still popping in goals, but something's not quite clicking, is it? But it's going to. Yeah, he's only got seven so far. Yeah, just a seven. Eight. Isn't it eight now? <laughs> oh, maybe eight. He scored in the weekend, right? Jimmy, yeah. I think he's only to score 15 this entire season, right? It was yeah, like, I called it. Yep. <laughs> he did call it. Yeah. <laughs> Charms, I wanted to go back. A couple weeks ago, you were talking about getting rid of Mo Salah for a lot of money. And I was thinking, I was looking at the table the other day, and I think Liverpool right now is third, tied for, tied for second. Uh, yeah, Brand this somewhere. Spurs are second, right? So if if Salah kept playing the way he's playing, which is really well again, he had an off season last year, and let's say they have a chance to win, would you still get rid of him? What in January yeah. or well, in January or yeah, in January because that yeah. trade deadline already came up when they were throwing around the money. Yeah, yeah. So, so you're saying so if they're in contention in January? Yeah. This is this is where I'm wondering for you and your fandom because you were so hot and cold in the first uh-huh. 15 minutes of the season. No, I think if they're in contention in January, you have to keep him. He's still worth a lot of money in the summer. He's still under contract, right? I think he's gone next summer. And if they're still offering north of 150 for a guy who's 32, you have to do it then. But in January, yes. yeah, you have to. Keep him. But I still think it's funny watching Arsenal this week in the Champions League too. They won 4 0, look fantastic, right? It's a really, really good young team there. You know, they, they strike me a little bit like Liverpool was a few years ago now, where they've got this great team and they're going to probably win some trophies, but they're also operating in the same era as this great Man City team. And they, they might not quite reach the heights that they would have done in a previous generation because Man City is still practically unbeatable most seasons. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, Liverpool, you, you, this year, yeah, you have to go for it, but I don't think they're good enough to catch Madison. Anyway, that's oh. kind of my point. Okay. No, I needed to. I need that logic because I'm always sitting there going, because a month ago you were, hey, let's, let's if, if we could trade them to get this and it creates a, uh, a platform for growth and success into the future, let's do it. Mm-hmm. But now they've... I mean, and, and especially the way he played last year. Now, a few, you know, we're four or five weeks in. He's been playing. I mean, he had three assists last week, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mid-season, he can't do it. And, and I mean, these guys can tell you more than I can. I mean, winning is so difficult. You get the opportunity so rarely, even the best clubs outside Man City, that, I mean, Craig, if you're in, in the mix in January, you can't then sell off arguably your best player, can you? No. No, you can't. But it, it all depends on the price tag and, whether that pressures even Sally into saying that, you know, I, I think I want to go. And if that's the case, then it's going to change the whole 
narrative. But at the moment, it looks as though Sal is quite happy where he is and they're playing really well. And I think Klopp has really dealt with that well because they haven't really missed a beat with all that distraction early on before the season even got going for the most part with the uh, distraction of the Saudis coming in with that offer. So, yeah, fair fair play to Salah too to focus and keep that standard while all that was going on. He's playing well. Well, Michael Antonio, he's got a podcast. He was saying that uh, um, Salah was ready to go. He was prepared to go. He was – bags were packed, but he was – prepared to move in, in the summertime had the deal gone through but he was still the consummate professional still happy to play for Liverpool but that time comes but Jimmy I mean if Salah's worth say 150 million in January he's still going to be worth close to that in the summer is he not he's yeah, well, he's yeah, Muslim yeah. and that's a big reason why they want him that the most famous Muslim yeah on the planet playing in a Muslim league yeah for sure I think so I, it's not going to drop he's he's a Wonderful professional. Um, his performances are off the chart at times, and no wonder they want him. And he, you know, look when when you're starting to talk about that type of money, no wonder he's probably at home starting to pack, thinking the club's going to take this. Like, how can they not take this money? Right? Because we we would all do the same. If soon one fifty two hundred million, you're thinking, all right, we're out. They're taking this. At 32, 33. At 32, 33. Yeah. yeah. Wouldn't you be thinking, I'm sold here, I'm out? I think it works for everyone at that point, does it not? Yeah. It works for the club because you can reinvest that money in a team that's got to start rebuilding. They, are, they have started rebuilding, but they've got to continue that this next summer. It's a really important summer. The player, like you said, he's 32, 33. He can cash in on this extraordinary, extraordinary money for the next two or three years of his career before it all goes, you know, old. So yeah. it, it makes sense for everyone. It's, it's sad and it'll break Liverpool fans' hearts. But this is football. Whether it's Saudi Arabia or somewhere else, MLS have been nabbing players for years. Yeah. So it's it's just inevitable. But yeah. there is that that magnetism of being part of Liverpool. And Jurgen Klopp was asked about that this this week. Um, obviously, the German job, Nagelsmann's going there. But he was asked about because the German Federation want Klopp as their manager. And they asked him about it. And he goes, listen, you can't just cut out the last eight years. I signed a contract here. And as far as I can remember, I wasn't drugged or tied up when I signed it. My clear decision. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, shut up. I'm not. I'm happy here. I quite like it here. Maybe one day, but just stop asking the questions, right? I'd want to go for a beer with Klopp. He's one of those guys. Oh, you know, yeah. we always play the who'd you go for dinner with? Who'd you have a beer with? All that kind of stuff. He's one of those guys that I could, you know. He'd, he'd tell great stories, let you tell your story. He seems to be a good listener and a good manager of people. Yeah, hey, the German, the German with a personality. Yeah. <laughs> You're not German. You'd <laughs> be staring at the managers in the Prem, though. He might be the one, right? Yeah. To go for a beer with. Um, yep. Obviously, Sean Dyke should be up there as well, I think. Yeah. But just clock with the success, right? Yeah. Yeah. The Australian guy at Spurs as well. He would be a yes, good night out. Absolutely. Yeah, Ange. But Ange yeah. also would, would definitely, like, he, he, he'd he be paying for his rounds, right? For sure. Hopefully paying for our shouting out for Hopefully, us, too. Yeah. yeah, but, you know, he, he wouldn't, like, get out. He wouldn't, like, you know, wait for a round to come. Then, oh, well, mate, your I've got, sh- got to leave now. Your shout. Footy Prime is paying. Oh, Ange is the kind of guy that would leave, but then would go up to the, the bar beforehand and pay for the whole bill without saying a word. And then when the evening ends and you go up to pay the bill, oh, no, no, the, the big Aussie guy, he paid for it. That's what Ange would do. 
That's a brilliant move. If you have, if you're comfortable in that space with your wallet and you just go, Hey, I'm paying beforehand. You don't let anyone see this. Everyone. You know who did that last time for me was Sid Sixero. Oh, Sid. Yeah. Went out for dinner with about about six of us and had some beers. It wasn't a crazy night, but a few beers. We all ate and then Sid had to leave. And then when it was time to pay, nope, Sid had gone up there and paid for everyone. That was class. Mo Johnson used to uh, drink champagne all night and then leave, and somebody else had to pick up the several thousand dollar bill that he racked up. Is that a fact? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jimmy, is it true that Mo used to offer like cases of champagne as like when 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 doing deals with with players? That was a part of the no. deal, or a little uh, no warmer. No, he never. I mean, I didn't get offered that. No. No, but I think Forrest is right though. He used to drink this. He used to drink this drink. It was like champagne and some liqueur in it, and it was like probably sixty bucks every time. And then you're you're just like, yeah, give me a give me a Guinness. <laughs> <laughs> then you got to buy him a champagne. The next round he's buying you a pint. And then you're going back to buy him this stupid drink. I got the point where it's like, I'm not I'm not going out for drinks with you. This is ridiculous. <laughs> Drinking your fancy shit. Just have a pint like normal guys. What if what if okay, Jimmy ask let me ask you this. You you know Glasgow, you know Scotland. What if Mo went to a pub in Glasgow and asked for that kind of drink? He'd be laughed at, wouldn't he? Nah, they'd give it to him because he's a legend there. Well it depends against which half of the Yeah. You pay for both. So. <laughs> was he yeah. he was at a Rangers last, right? It was it was Celtic went away, then came back, went to Rangers. Was that that was That's right. Yeah. So he's probably more is he is he still beloved by the Celtic fans or is he seen as a traitor? I forget now. A traitor, right? No, they like him. I mean, both sides hate him a little bit, and by then both sides <laughs> like him too. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Well, I think it's probably it for the today's pod. That was a good one. We we went around uh, a lot of different places. We're back on Friday. News and dubs. Hopefully, a special guest uh, as well for that one. Um, don't forget fubotv.com slash footy prime subscribe and save right now for all your premier league both english and canadian and of course 20, uh, 26 percent discount 26 uh, percent discount on a yearly and i think 13 percent on a quarterly right now so you can is that what it yourself. is yeah i just looked at it but you must and go also prime.com slash sorry fubotv.com slash footy prime right and also um MLS wise, Vancouver's in fourth. Yeah. Looking good. Montreal in eighth. Uh, and TFC, lot bottom of the barrel, 22 points. Mm-hmm. Just, and if Craig Forrest had his way, they'd be relegated down to what would they CPL? They should be in the CPL right now. Well, they, they've been in bottom three so often, they'd be in the conference league in Europe and England. <laughs> they deserve to be relegated. They deserve it. I feel sorry for Terry Dunfield. I really do. I think this team and these players are is is disrespectful, is what they're doing. And I, I, I John Herman's got to be watching that. He's seeing the same thing. That was just atrocious. You know, they just stopped playing. They're not even. They weren't even trying. I don't think I've ever seen anything quite like that. It was warm, but they just give up. It was over. Yeah. There was never any comeback happening at all in Miami last night. It was just. Very poor. I thought it was awful. 
At some point, we'll get Terry on the podcast again. Um, he obviously is going to be in the staff with John, rightfully so as well, when uh, when when John takes over October the 1st. But at some point, we'll get Terry on and uh, we'll probably hear some truths about exactly what it was like the last uh, two or three months at Toronto FC. When all those, when all the bad seas have been, you know, kicked out the club and moved on, because up until that point, you can't see too much, can you, unfortunately? Mm-hmm. What a mess. All right, TonyBet.ca, get your bets on for this weekend. We'll give you our bets, our parlay, coming off a fantastic week last week. Uh, that'll be on Friday's podcast with Amy Walsh. It's news and dubs. And of course, don't forget, Sunday night, we'll wrap the weekend. And then Monday, it is Footy Prime, the podcast on One Soccer. Uh, we're going to put some stuff out on social. We've got some hot button topics you want to get to on Monday's show. We want you guys very much to give your opinion and ask some questions too. So stay tuned for that. And uh, the best shall be read out in Wonga's bustling, burgeoning mail sack. <laughs> Probably used the wrong words there. I don't know how a second bu- bustling. Bustling. Burgeoning. Yeah, burgeoning would be, I, well, I guess if there's a growth, if I have having some growths on my on my ball sack, perhaps. <laughs> JC gets it right when he talks about, when he introduces the segment. On one sucker. Rummaging through. That's a rummaging <laughs> through. A good old rummage round. <laughs> <laughs> It's Footy Prime, and keep buying newspapers. Laters. Follow us on Twitter at Footy underscore Prime and on Instagram at Footy Prime IG. Great one, guys. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Market.